You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Naked Scientist. It is time for The Naked Scientist. We take your calls on 011-8830702. Your SMS is 31702. And you can tweet us at M at Radio 702 using the hashtag 702 Afternoons and the WhatsApp line 072-7021702. Dr. Chris Smith, we just had crazy hail um, that lasted maybe about five minutes. Um, what is up with these flash hail storm things that happen for a moment and then it's just gone well it's a severe storm isn't it and this is probably the pattern of climate change to come uh, unfortunately the reason we get more storms with a warmer world is because there is more energy in the atmosphere and if you've got more energy in the atmosphere although you're talking about something cold which is hail it's exactly the same process that drives a really serious rainstorm because what's happening in one part of the world is you've got warm air rising which is saturated with water it goes up and forms big storm clouds that water freezes on its way up because the air expands and therefore cools on its way up and forms the initial ice crystal that starts a hailstone and then because of air currents jostling those uh, tiny ice crystals up and down inside clouds they drop a bit fall a bit drop a bit and each time they do so they meet some more water on the way up and so they grow and grow and grow because water likes to form a bigger ice crystal where there's already an ice crystal so you grow these big hell storms stones and then when that storm arrives over land especially over high points Joburg is rife for storms because it's high a lot of high altitude and so you tend to see a lot of warm saturated clouds coming in off the ocean rising upwards and the updrafts which are sustaining these hailstones and things and the the heavy rain up there then are diminished and there's nothing to hold these big heavy things up there and they come down all at once And if the air at the same time isn't warm enough to melt them on the way down which if they're really big let's face it they're not going to be uh, melted on the way down they're going to hit the ground and in some cases you get big ones the size of golf balls that are quite capable of breaking windows and making holes in people's cars all right, Le- uh, now we open up the lines and uh, let's start with our WhatsApp line and we've got a voice note. Okay, we cannot play that voice note. Apologies, as soon as we can get that sorted. Here's a question. To the naked scientist, kindly assist the 12-year-old who is autistic. He wants to be a doctor. Parents need to know which institution would be able to accommodate their child. And if there are such institutions in South Africa, can you provide the name? Um, I don't think from your side, Dr. Chris Smith, you would necessarily be fair with the institutions in SA. But what are the possibilities for this young child and would it possibly require them going to a special school? Well, medicine is a really broad church and it welcomes people who want to come from all kinds of backgrounds and specialise in all different kinds of things because although we have this word medicine and we think of someone with a stethoscope who might fix your broken leg, there's far more to medicine than just that front-of-house patient-facing side to it. If you take the job that I do, for example, I'm a, I'm a clinical virologist as my day job at the University of Cambridge and our teaching hospital. Mm-hmm. So most of the time I'm, I'm doing diagnostics, I'm helping to run a diagnostic 
diagnostic laboratory, we see tubes of blood, for example, and swabs that have come in from being up people's noses. And we work out how to work out what is wrong with that person and then how the doctors looking after them on the wards yes. can make them better. So, in other words, there are lots of different options and outlets for people to get into in medicine without having to be, if they, for instance, find it difficult to, to deal with someone face-to-face, without having to do that as a job all the time. So I would say just because someone has a certain particular issue going on in their life, it doesn't mean that medicine isn't for them. Mm. It will really come down to how good they are academically because really it's a tough it's a tough gig to get because it's academically very demanding. If a person's academically up to it, they should definitely apply and they may therefore find that there are plenty of things that they can do uh, in medicine which would welcome their strengths and talents. All right, here's a voice note. Afternoon, laborhele and naked scientist. I would like to know: uh, Is there any danger? I'm taking supplements, vitamin C and vitamin and, and zinc at the same time. Is there any disadvantage or danger in that, or should I take one vitamin at the time and then when when it's finished, should I rotate them or should I take? them at the same time is there any danger if i take them in at same time thank you all right and that's quite a good and relevant question interesting that you mentioned vitamin c and zinc doctor the answer to this is vitamins are a bit like the oil that you put in your car engine a little goes a long way too much is a bad thing and don't forget that vitamins are not something we've evolved to take we've evolved to get our micronutrients from the food we eat so taking vitamins is not a replacement for a good balanced representative diet that contains all the micronutrients of different food groups but that's not to say that certain vitamins can help certain people with certain deficiencies or who are trying to to be um, better in certain ways because they're perhaps deficient in something taking them all at the same time because you eat food which is a mix of all the different micronutrients all at the same time is unlikely ever to be a problem. The only exception to this is with some foods they can bind up some vitamins or some supplements so you have to be a bit careful because otherwise you're basically making very expensive number twos that go down the toilet and mm. you don't absorb any of the things so be, be a bit careful with that um, you know what you eat with what but in terms of what you take at the same time as long as you do not overdo the dose and with water-soluble vitamins like vitamin C, the B vitamins, for example, it's really hard to overdose on those because you basically make very expensive urine if you overdo it on those. The ones to watch out for are the fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A or vitamin D. They can be toxic, they can be harmful if you OD on those and you certainly won't, like putting too much oil in your car engine, achieve any benefit whatsoever if you take too much of them because a little does go a long way. You may even do harm if you do so. So mixing them, probably not a problem. That's how multivitamins work anyway. But do watch out what you mix them with because sometimes some things can bind together and make things unabsorbable under those circumstances. So watch out for that gotcha. But in general terms, you're okay to mix them up, but don't overdo the doses because worst, at best, you're going to cost yourself money that's going to be money down the drain, literally, and at worst, that you could be harming your health. Can I just ask a follow-up question then, Doctor, on what you said? Um, I heard once that sometimes... Um, especially the whole vitamin popping generation that we are, that our bodies can forget to do the functions they're supposed to, that some vitamins, but maybe things not like calcium or supplements, you should sometimes take a break from so that your body remembers 
how to do its job. Is that accurate? Um, there are examples with certain things, certain drugs, which will suppress the action of natural systems in your bodies if you take the drug rather than the thing that it normally does in your body, that you could have a consequence. But this is not true for food groups, because otherwise if you ate loads of something, then your body would forget how to use it, and that, that doesn't happen. You, you are okay with most vitamins. There are examples, for instance, if you take a lot of steroids, say you're on big doses of steroids for an inflammatory condition or something, and this can sometimes be absolutely necessary and critical to a person's good health, you can suppress the action and activity of your body's own glands that make your steroids. And this means if you suddenly stop those steroids, you can end up in a state of deficiency. So there are examples where if you take a lot of something, you will stop your body doing that itself. Another good example, if you take anabolic steroids, some people who are gym goers and want to bulk up illicitly will use anabolic steroids like testosterone or testosterone-like mm. chemicals. This will shrink your testes. And if you like having balls like peanuts, then maybe that's your <laughs> wow, bag. Doctor. But it's not most people's <laughs> ball bag. So don't do that because it's not, it's not good in the long, it's not in your long-term interest, put it that way. <laughs> Sorry, the way that you said that. Let's take a break. 702. The Naked Scientist. 10 minutes to 3 o'clock and we're still with The Naked Scientist. We take your calls on 011 and the WhatsApp line 072-7021702. Let's go to Patrick in Germiston. Go ahead, Patrick. Hi, I'd like to know how scientists would go about measuring um, primordial gravitational waves. And, and how would they know they're looking at one? Hello, Patrick. First of all, gravitational waves, what are they? Well, this was the, the insight of Einstein, who predicted that we would see gravity rippling across the fabric of space. And it took until relatively recently for that phenomenon to be proven, which it was, and it subsequently won a Nobel Prize for a clutch of people back in 2016. And one of them was Kip Thorne, who I was lucky enough to meet. And... What those gravitational waves do is have an origin somewhere in the universe from massive things interacting that disturb the fabric of space. And a bit like if I had a long elastic band stretched between you and me and I pinged it, you would feel the ripples come pinging down the elastic band sometime later. Gravitational waves propagate at the speed of light through the universe. And we can resolve where they've come from by having multiple detectors. We've got three detectors for gravitational waves on, on the Earth's surface, and you can therefore resolve where they have come from, and you can therefore work out roughly uh, how divergent they are, and therefore wh where they would have started their journey. So you can get some idea as to how far back in time they started as well, by, by looking at their origin, and also looking at where in the universe they must have come from, tells you something about how far away that thing is. You can also look for objects nearby, which would be giveaways for what their origin was and therefore make estimations based on their travelling at the speed of light, how far away they must be and therefore how long ago they uh, were produced. All right, we've got Kwabena in Little Falls. Hi. Hi. Mm, go ahead. I just want to know how the remote control works. Someone said uh, a, a signal goes to a communication satellite and comes back, but uh, I don't know if I want to believe that. <laughs> Why don't you want to believe that? <laughs> because uh, that would be just too fast, you know? <laughs> All right, Doctor. 
Uh, it depends what you mean by remote control. If we're talking about the remote control of the rovers that are trundling around on Mars, then you're absolutely right. We are sending signals up into space, they're going to a satellite around Mars, and then they're being beamed down to the rover on Mars's surface, and the rover then gets the instructions after about half an hour or so, and it then acts on them. And then it sends back what it's seeing, what it's done, and it comes back via the same route. So there are some examples of remote control that are going via satellite. But most of what we call remote control here on Earth would be, for instance, the clicker that's opening your gates or your garage, the zapper that opens your car door, for example, or disarms your car alarm. This is usually just using local transmission, usually the source from that trigger that you hold in your hand and press with your thumb that's a microwave source and it sends microwaves which are like radio waves they're a form of light they're electromagnetic radiation and they go to a receiver in the thing that you're communicating with it's listening for that specific frequency of microwaves and it's also listening for a particular signal that's embedded or encoded into the microwave so as the signal arrives it's got information written into it just as the same as the information is written into what's coming out of 702 right now and going to your radio and then out of your speakers it's listening for a particular code in there and when it hears that particular code it knows aha that's my instruction to do something open the door turn off the alarm uh, close the door, etc. Thank you so much for that question, Kwabena. Let's go to Joshua in North Riding. Hi, Joshua. Hi, how are you? Good, good thanks. And you? I'm good. I wanted to ask the, the naked scientist, what will be the repercussion of lack of iron in, in someone's blood, like malnutrition? Mm, thank you so much, Joshua. So low iron anemia? Hi, Joshua. The, the reasons for low iron can be manifold. The simplest reason is you don't get enough iron in your diet. And if a person doesn't eat food that has enough iron natively in it, then there's nothing there for you to absorb, and therefore you can't have any iron. And if you don't have any iron, you can't put the iron into the crucial things, such as the enzymes that you need in your muscles, in your liver, and in your blood cells. And if you don't have enough iron in your blood cells, you don't have enough haemoglobin, and this means you can't carry enough oxygen around your blood and you feel very tired. If you do have enough iron in your diet, you can still end up not absorbing enough because some people have a problem with their absorption system in their intestine, so they can't get the iron out of their food and into their bloodstream. A good example of that, people with malabsorption. If you have, for instance, celiac disease, very common in certain parts of Ireland, for example, but known all over the world, this is where there is an allergy to a certain component of some cereal crops which damages the lining of the bowel if you keep eating that thing, and this means you're much less able to absorb micronutrients, and iron is one of them. And so these people often end up with iron deficiency because of malabsorption. Then there are problems with if you've got enough iron in your diet and you're absorbing the iron okay, but you're still having problems with low levels of iron, it could be because your body's losing iron. Now, some people have problems, for instance, with a tumour in their intestine or damage to another part of the gastrointestinal tract, which means they're shedding iron continuously in their guts, or they've got parasites, worms, like uh, hookworms can drink so much blood if you've got loads of them on board that you can end up a bit iron deficient. Also, menstruating women. If they're not having enough iron coming in in their diet, but they're losing blood in menstrual blood every month, 
then they can end up a bit iron deficient, in some cases very iron deficient as well. And then there are also reasons why pe people may have problems actually getting iron to the right place in the body, which can also cause a relative or functional deficiency of, of iron in the blood as well. So those are all the reasons why you might be iron deficient. And, and the person who's found to be iron deficient gets investigated comprehensively by their doctor looking at all those different possibilities to work out what's the right one and what the best way to manage them is. All right, we've run out of time, so we're going to leave it there, but we'll be back together with you, Dr. Chris Smith, next week. Thank you so much. See you soon.